This is 2021. This is the Betfred Super League. Be ready. everyone and thanks for tuning in again it's that time of the week welcome along to eddie and steve-o the podcast sponsored as always by betfred well as usual there's plenty to get through this week so let's get into it right away steve-o's waiting to talk to us steve-o all okay with you i'm fine apart from the weather <laughs> where's the sunshine i'm missing the sunshine well, the summer's disappeared, hasn't it? It really has. It's gone. It's gone. Summer rugby, Steve-O. Let's get that on the agenda. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it was a great. It was a great thing when they when they finally did it. But let's face it, you know, you can't you can't say that the UK weather is going to be fine all the time because it ain't. Exactly. You cannot predict the weather. I wonder if there's something else you couldn't predict, and that's the fact that the Challenge Cup is moving back to its May date in 2022, May the 28th. It's the 125th anniversary of the first final back in 1897, um, but not at Wembley. It's the Tottenham ground, um, and it's the first May final since 2004. I think it's gone back to its rightful place in the calendar, don't you? Yeah, spot on, because there's always been a lot of complaints by uh, the players and the clubs in regards to the fact, let's get the Challenge Cup out of the way and then we can concentrate on the Grand Final. The build-up after the Challenge Cup Final has always been the best way as far as I'm concerned. Well, it was uh, a move by the RFL and the BBC originally to take it from its August date back uh, to, uh, for, rather from its May date through to August. Uh, and we've had that for quite some time. Um, what about the Tottenham ground? I mean, they were due to hold and host an Ashes test, weren't they? They lost that because of the coronavirus pandemic. It's a fantastic stadium. Yeah, it is. And uh, let's hope that we can fill it, because that seems to be the problem. This pandemic seems to have got to a lot of the fans, and they're not going to the grounds, Eddie. We're no. not getting great crowds. And, uh, you know, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't start going backwards. I know. I, I watched with interest the Premier League restart uh, at the weekend. Grounds full. House full notices just about everywhere. I'm looking at the attendances in the Betfred Super League this last weekend. Um, I think I'm right in saying that the biggest attendance was just over 7,000, and that was in the south of France for the Catalan Hole game. I, I think the supporters have found other things to do, Steve, over the past two years. Well, it appears that way, doesn't it? We need to get that marketing sorted out and we need to do it quickly. We do, because, uh, as I say, there's nothing worse than playing in front of, of half-empty stadia and it looks awful on, on the television. But I, I quite understand people maybe 
feeling the pinch financially I, I don't know but hopefully we'll in the next uh, nine weeks up to the grand final we'll all get our appetites back what do you think well let's hope so Eddie and, and talking about the fact get so many games in what about Hull Kingston Rovers we know that they're playing exceptionally well but will they be able to get those games in that the Super League have said they have to play otherwise they miss out on on the playoffs they do they've only played 13 games they're sitting 5th in the table they've won 7 and on their percentage they're above the Leeds Rhinos and Hull FC uh, but they've got to hit the cutoff point of 18 matches I understand so they've got to play 5 virtually in the next 5 weeks before the playoffs kick in um it could be a problem for them if they get another postponement because of the coronavirus. Yeah, and and will the Super League or, or the RFL get together and say, well, we'll have to just... I mean, you can't really. The way that Alkington Rose are playing now, uh, they are in contention for a playoff. It would be drastic measures to say, well, you haven't filled your quota, so therefore you're not in the playoffs. It's embarrassing. Uh it is, absolutely. I mean, you look down the win column, uh, Catalan have won 16 of 18, St. Helens 12 of 15. You go down, Warrington have got 11 wins, Wigan have got 12 wins, but because of the percentages, they are still below Warrington in the table. Hulkingston Rovers, seven wins from 13. Leeds have had nine wins from 18. And um, Castleford, who are outside of the top five, they've got eight wins from 17. But it's the percentage of victories uh, that is going to count this year I understand why they're doing it but you, again you can understand why people who don't know the game of rugby league will look at that league table and think well how come Hull Kingston Rovers are where they are having won fewer than Castleford for instance I know it, it, it is a big problem Eddie and uh, let's hope we can sort it out but let's not wait until the last couple of weeks and then say oh well you've got to put in because uh, in the olden days there were times I don't remember Wigan played what 10 games in, in three weeks. Yes. They had to, to pile it on. That's not fair to the players. It isn't. And that, that might be the situation that faces Hull Kingston Rovers further down the track. Let, let's let's wait and see. Since we were last with everybody, Steve-O, um, there's been another sacking in the Betfred Super League. Chris Chester has gone from Wakefield. Now, we've all read Michael Carter, the chief executive, comments about Chris Chester's reign at Wakefield um, you read them it's hardly sacking material is it? <laughs> I, I, I could not believe it after reading his comments I'm thinking well they should give him a bonus they should keep him <laughs> and pay him more money Yes. look he's done a fine job there uh, and I'm not so sure that maybe that um, Chris Chester was not too unhappy about it I'm, I've got a funny feeling that maybe Chris thought to himself I've taken them so far I want to look to go somewhere else well Michael Carter has given him the opportunity they've sacked him um, and I do hope that Chester gets another job somewhere down the line because I've always thought he is a good coach very much so and I hope also that Wakefield have looked after him financially too let me, let me just read some of Michael Carter's quotes Chris changed the club under his leadership, we played some of our best rugby in 2018 and 2019. The last two years, difficult because of injuries and COVID. We could have uh, 
gone for postponements or played on with a weakened team. Chris has never been able to spend the full salary cap. At times, he must have felt like he was coaching with his hands tied behind his back. He would be remembered as a success, a man who always had the club's best interests at heart. Quotes like that, and as we say, you've got to ask <laughs> why. And then, at the end, by the way, Chris, you're gone. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs> it just doesn't... I, I, I was totally confused about it. Uh, th those quotes, I mean, why can't they just say, look, we want success, and we're not getting success under Chris Chester, blah, blah, blah. There's no point in, in giving him one of the biggest raps I've ever heard from a club chairman about a coach, and then give him the sack. <laughs> no. I just could not believe it. No, it's an odd way to go about it, uh, that is for sure. But they made the change. They brought uh, Willie Poaching, who was Chris's right-hand man, in as interim head coach. And guess what? It seemed to do the trick, as it so often does. Wakefield, 28. Warrington, 22. Poaching off to a flying start, as somebody once used to say on a regular basis. Well, that might be me. But the thing is, <laughs> is the thing is, Eddie, is that when things like that, where the coach is sacked, quickly the players look at each other and say oh will I be next I better start playing uh, maybe I haven't been playing as good as I should have maybe the team hasn't had that bonding that they should have maybe there's a few players at a little bit sort of um, jealousy or whatever they were not they're not getting themselves organized and the shock of losing your coach often the players say hey lads we better, we better brush up here we better get ourselves organised because if we don't if they're going to sack the coach they could sack the players though having said that Eddie um, they've signed uh, Tom Lynham yeah. from, uh, from Warrington so sack the coach they have a good win <laughs> under Willie Poaching and then they announced that they've signed another player yes it seems like the checkbook is, is getting out and there's also um links apparently with Luke Gale at Leeds although Luke Gale at the moment looks like he might be missing the rest of the season injured uh, we'll see about that but Luke Gale I understand that Leeds Rhinos want to keep him Steve-O he's part of their part of their you know their triumvirate there in, in the new season yeah he's a good player we all know that and uh, he can control a game he's one of the best in, in Super League uh, maybe all the rumours about uh, the fallout with the coach Richard Agard etc maybe that had something to do with it I don't know but uh, you know what the press are like you know what the media are like just like you and I we float <laughs> a few ideas and <laughs> it's like the rolling stone going down the hill it gets faster and faster and faster are you the, suggesting that we are gossips, Steve-O? Is this what you're saying? No, rumour-mongers. Rumor That's what we are. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Well, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Never been known to gossip and talk with my hand over my mouth, ever. I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> Look, Wakefield, Wakefield's win was one of a series of eye-catching results. Uh, St. Helens 10, Castleford 20... First win for Castleford at St Helens in Super League. In fact, the first win at St Helens for Castleford in 31 years. The Tigers bouncing back? Yeah, uh, they went through a little bit of a, a lull, let's put it that way. And uh, they they made it quite clear that they wanted to send off their coach 
at least with an opportunity to get into the playoffs. But it was a, an amazing win. And Greg Eden, wow, what a player he is. I know. He can score tries from anywhere, can't he? What about yeah. the interception late on? <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a huge gamble, you know, because uh, Wigan, uh, sorry, uh, St. Helens had the overlap. And if he had, if he'd have missed that, they would have they would have tied it up at fourteen all, uh, with the kick to come. So it was a huge decision by Eden. Got away with it. Another another eye catching winner. We've mentioned them briefly already. Holkingston Rovers twenty six, Wigan fourteen. A rare Super League double for Rovers over Wigan. Now Neil Hudgel, the owner, has taken the club off the market. Rovers now not for sale. I think Neil fancies a walk out at Old Trafford, you know. <laughs> well, they are playing well. You cannot take anything away from them. They've got a good squad and they're working in unison and that's that's what you need. But to beat Wigan, well, there again, rumours. Is their coach under pressure? There's still rumours about the England coach coming back to Wigan. Is there any truth in that? And I mean, losing to Hulkington Rovers 26-14, you think to yourself, people like us, rumour mongers, are we <laughs> suggesting that he's, he's got to go, this, that and the other? They haven't hit their high spots, have they? Wigan normally do that when it comes to the end of the season. Uh, and they, they appear to be struggling slightly. They are. I mean, they're badly hit by injury. They've got lots of young yeah. forwards. They've got, um, they've got Jackson Hastings playing at full back and all over the shop. Um, they are struggling, but I mean this this rumor, as you you put it, about Sean Wayne returning to Wigan. It's been it's been on the rounds for a while, but no no confirmation from from the club, no confirmation from the RFL. The World Cup postponement won't have helped Sean's situation. No. Do you think he do you think he will go back? Well, it depends. Let's look at it this way: they've had to postpone the World Cup. We know that, so that means that. The, that the England coach has to stay. He can't go to another club whilst is preparing for the World Cup next year. So therefore, that's probably the reason why Wigan uh, not stating anything whatsoever. I think Sean Wayne would want to coach England in a World Cup, don't you? Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. The contract, the contract that he would have signed, would say that you are the coach of the World Cup, irrespective of what year it is being played. And I do know that the, his preparation has been outstanding. And that hasn't always been the fact about a national coach getting the players at the right moment. He's had to struggle with that sort of situation. And it's not the best build-up. And I'm hoping that in the off-season that he can get his players together and prepare for next year. It'll give them extra time. And not only will it give him extra time, it will give some of these young players the opportunity to perhaps shine enough to be selected for the one thing that every player should strive to achieve, playing a World Cup for your country. Uh, the, the other complication, of course, is um, the, the England coach, should it be part-time? If it's a part-time appointment, then the England coach cannot be involved with another Super League club because he is privy to all sorts of information about injuries, loss of form, other problems off and on the field. Um, you can't really have someone in an opposing Super League club being able to use all that 
top secret information. So it's either one thing or the other. It's either England or a club, I would think. Yeah, you can't do both. They've they've tried to do that. Uh, I think we 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 saw that when the England squad or Great Britain squad, can you remember, went down to New Zealand, Papua New Guinea. Um, they had a coach there, of course, who is now at South South Sydney. Uh, it wasn't the best result, was it, when they went on tour? No. Uh, I, I've always said that if you're going to have a, a coach for your country, it's got to be full time. And then he can also do all the jobs on the periphery, like getting a coaching plan going from grassroots to top level, getting players from grassroots to top level, encouraging people in the in the various areas. Uh, I mean, that could also be a, a huge part of the job. I'm sure Sean does a lot of that anyway. Yeah, and I, I think that that would be the key factor. We've often gone on about the fact that there is not enough, there is not enough, shall we say, interest in keeping the, the young players, the schools. We've got to spread our game. We've got to make sure that it starts at the bottom. We've got to get finance. We've got to get enough finance to make sure that we are bringing young children through from school into amateur and then into the professional ranks. You've hit the nail on the head. Finance, that's that's the big problem. And just at the moment, I think the game is a, a little bit tight, a little bit tight for cash just now. Uh, Salford 18, Huddersfield 12, Steve-O. Super League double for Salford against Huddersfield. What a, what a disappointing year for poor old Ian Watson. What a triumph this was for Richard Marshall. Yeah, uh, it seems to come around, doesn't it? Where you leave one club and then the opposition say, we're up for this. We're going to prove that we it wasn't just him that got us to this, that and the other. Look, Watson is a very good coach. We know that. Uh, but full credit to Salford. Everyone thought that it would be a Salford fight out with Lee. But that win by Salford and also by Wakefield, I think you'd have to say now that they are safe. Lee haven't won a game. They're still on zero points. So... They will have to virtually win every single game now, Lee, to have a chance of surviving. And I can't see it. No, no, I don't think anybody can, which is a great shame. I just hope Lee don't go down not having won a game all season. Anyway, chasers at the top of Super League are stumbling. Catalan back to winning ways. 31-6 against Hull in Perpignan. Hull with a weakened side from all accounts. But the Dragons back on course following their defeat at St. Helens the previous week. Uh, I think we better start getting um, all the, the French food prepared for Old Trafford, don't you? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a golden opportunity for them. They've got the, they've got the players. They've really got their... I mean, they're backing each other. They really are working hard for each other. And I think that was the first game back in Perpignan this season, wasn't it, Eddie? Uh, no, they've had a, they have had a couple. They've had a couple, but it was um, it, they had the biggest crowd of the the weekend in Perpignan. There is certainly appetite for it in the south of France. There's no question about that. The big problem will be the transport up to Old Trafford. Should the Dragons get there? Well, I think we mentioned it last week that we um, did that, that, that Super League and RFL uh, they'll be quaking in their boots in regard to the fact because there won't be a full house, perhaps. You never know. Remember when they got to Wembley, Catalan? Mm. Uh, it was a poor crowd then. It's not their fault. It's just that it's a long, long way to come. And the only bright spark about it is, is that to lose, they are they are the favourites. 
to be promoted and imagine what sort of crowd that they would get when they play Perpignan, when they play down in Perpignan or in Toulouse. What a great fight that would be between the two French sides. You can see full houses and they're doing it right down there. They are and I can see I can see a, a nicely cushioned seat with the name M. Stevenson all over it for those matches when they play in Toulouse and Perpignan. You'll be first in the queue in the plane to get down there and watch those two matches, won't you? Well, they're having these special seats made, Eddie, where you can put your wine glass in, inside <laughs> on the centre. <laughs> Listen, yeah. that's that's why I, I've always enjoyed going down in the south of France, and I know you did as well. Yes. Um, a lot of a lot of non rugby league fans. Uh, I met up with uh, some former policemen uh, a couple of years ago, and they don't follow any rugby league team, but they go down twice a year to Perpignan to make sure that they watch Catalan. It's it's like a, a special trip for them twice a year, and they are not, and they admit it, they're not really rugby league fans, but they just enjoy the atmosphere. And, and they go what, for the event. They go for the yes, event. Yes, the atmosphere to it. And that's that's what is sadly is what we're missing. And let's hope that the crowds do increase. But we mentioned it earlier. Come on, Super League. Let's get some good bargain tickets, two for one, family tickets, etc. and so forth, before it becomes too late. This weekend, the crowds will be bumper because they've called this coming up Rivals Round. And apart from everything else, there are three fantastic matches coming up live on Sky. Warrington against Catalan, Wigan against Saints and the Hull KR Hull Derby. There's also Leeds Huddersfield, Cass Wakefield and Lee against Salford. All the fun of the fair, all local derbies. If they don't get the crowds up for this one, Steve, we are in trouble. We've got to get our marketing sorted out. We have. And the image, the image of the game being played in front of spectacular crowds is so so important oh spot on it's as simple as that i mean you you, you talk about uh, the the soccer the football um they're packed houses simple as that and it's as though that they have been saying oh it's been far too long we you know we're eager to get there and yet we don't seem to get the fans at rugby league i know it's a it's a head scratching it's a head scratching moment for the game i tell you where they should be having the house full signs and that's at Headingley on Friday night because for the first time since his uh, match uh, the benefit match with Jamie Jones Buchanan way back in January 2020 the great Rob Burrow will be in the crowd he's going to be at Headingley the launching his autobiography uh, that night too many reasons to live it's called a fantastic player eight grand final wins someone who will never ever be forgotten I hope I hope that they give him the reception that he deserves I'm sure they will I know that at Headingley uh, they will be doing everything that is possible to ensure that it is a full house I've said it for years as far as I was concerned uh, Gary Hetherington should have been involved in the running of the game a lot of people suggest that he still does run, run the game without having to be uh, in the in the head office but uh, I would have wanted Gary Hetherington to be involved with the running of our game at the top level I've said that for years and maybe he's been so smart Eddie he'll stay at Headingley um, 
the memories of Rob Burrow, Steve, are are immense. You know that that try in the grand final that he scored when he ducked under all the St Helens defenders. I mean, yeah. what what a what an icon, what an icon of the game, Rob Burrow is. He's a legend. He is, and one of the greats. It really is. I can remember seeing him play his first few games, and I I thought. Uh, he looked like a 14 year old kid yeah and yet he took all the hammer I mean they t the opposition tried their damnedest just to belt him out of the game but he was a little tough player and a great player and I'm glad that they're, they're having this wonderful tribute uh, buy the book do everything you can to help not only just Rob Barrow, but also the organization that are trying to find a cure for this awful disease. So roll up in your hundreds and thousands, please. Yeah, here, 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 here to all of that. Um, we're, we're talking about icons, Steve-O, and, and a, sad, uh, a, a, a sad piece of news. Uh, the great Dick Huddart has, has passed away, and you have some memories of, of Dick, don't you? Oh, my word, it's... Um... He, he was one of my heroes when I was a youngster. And Dick Hoddart, not just because of his, his playing ability, but a true gentleman, very quietly spoken, never bragged, never boasted about anything, but he changed the game for the second rowers. The second row play in those days, in the, in the late 50s and 60s, it was just hard work in the forwards. Dick Huddart played out wide, often playing outside the inside centre. He had the speed and the agility. He was a, a fantastic player. And not surprisingly, his skill and his structure, St. George, the mighty St. George, at that point were winning all the grand finals and they enticed him to go to Australia. He's lived out there and every single year, Eddie, we'd meet up maybe three or four times for a grand final or a get-together with the old players. A super, super human being. And it is a sad loss. And talking of a sad loss, uh, it was nice. I was, I was there at Whitehaven for the game against the London Broncos on Sunday. Uh, they paid a wonderful one-minute silence and the flag was at half-mast and a great tribute to a great man. Yeah, we'll remember Dick Hoddart for a, a long, long time to come. I know that you most certainly will. Um, he won the Ashes with Great Britain in 1962. And St. George actually paid good money for him in 62. Ten grand. That would be, what would that be in today's money, Steve? About 150, £200,000? Oh, I'd say well over that, Eddie. I mean, in, in that time, I mean, the average house was about uh, oh, 1200 a thousand pounds wow so that gives you some indication of how how much they wanted him um and boy it was a revelation when when he went out there because he ran like a three-quarter was built like a prop forward he was solid and a great great player he changed the game in that position simple well we're talking about australia there with uh, dick hoddart uh, once of uh, saint george um Come on, we need the Aussie gossip. You're always you're always talking about rumour mongers in Super League and gossip from Australia. What have you got for us this week? 
Well, it, it's a bit of a sad news, actually, because the, the Cronulla uh, prop forward, Andrew Fafita, um, got a high shot and he fractured his larynx. Oh. And they had, they, they had to uh, treat him on the ground before they rushed him to a Brisbane hospital. And uh, evidently, he, he's had an operation today. But a fractured larynx, I mean, it just sounds awful, doesn't it? It sounds horrific. It yeah. really does. It sounds yeah. horrific. Yeah, yeah. And, there, and there again, you'll get the people saying, you know, you can't have head-eye shots. Now, I'm not saying that the injuries was from a head-eye shot because no one can really tell whether it was a mistake or whether it was... Either way, it, it is a bad injury. But it's getting to a stage now in Australia where I think you've got to say that the top three... Melbourne, they're on 40 points now in the league. Penrith are second on 38. And South Sydney are on 36. And I just can't see any other team getting anywhere near that trio. Melbourne are playing out of their skins. So are Penrith. They've come back into the winning circle again. They, they beat St. George 34-16. Melbourne beat Canberra 26-16. South. They absolutely run all over the Gold Coast, 36 points to six. So those are the three that are in what I think will pick up the trophy this year. There was the goal for the uh, the Eels, Parramatta Eels, but they are struggling at the moment to such an extent. Manly posted 56 points against them, 56-10. And Parramatta are struggling to get back into the swing of things. They were up there at the start of the season after the 10 games. It looked as though they were going to be in, in for a good shout, but it looks as though they've just gone away. They're struggling. Well, we're coming to the business end, aren't we? We're not far away from it now. I think, I think we worked out before we came on air about eight, nine weeks to the grand final, both sides of the world. It's, it's that time of the year again. It sure is, and it's going week by week, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, we would love, wouldn't we? I mean, those three games this weekend on Sky, we'd love to be doing Warrington, Catalan, Wigan Saints, and the whole derby. They are three headline acts. We'd love to be there, but we won't be. We'll be watching on the telly instead. Yeah, and it's, uh, do you know, these past few weeks, Eddie, when I've been back in, in, in the UK, I've got this sudden urge to think... <laughs> I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to pick up the microphone, <laughs> and, and, and then I think to myself, "Stop being stupid. You've had your. <laughs> you've had your day, and so have you, Eddie. Uh, Absolutely. It, but it doesn't matter. You and I are still involved in the greatest game of all. We certainly are. And the hot news from this podcast this week is that Stevo has suddenly got the urge. Good on you, Steve-O. <laughs> <laughs> Take care and we'll talk next week. Yeah, bye, everybody.